Welcome to the Punch and Preacher Podcast, where we are spiritual, sophisticated, and savage as... Dad, this is a family-friendly podcast. Join us for new episodes every Tuesday morning as we talk about life, leadership, and living the faith. If you have questions, welcome to the Punch and Preacher Podcast community. Just hit subscribe to that button, and if you don't like the podcast, it's totally fine. Subscribe, find the link to the email, I'll get you a link to the gym. Have a great day. Good afternoon, good morning, whatever time you're watching this. Welcome to the Punch Up Preacher Podcast, episode number two, or as we discovered last week, episode number two and a half. We're just going to qualify that last episode, and uh, we're, we're going to make it our own. It's in the Punch Up Preacher Family Podcast universe. <laughs> Isn't that how they do it? We all have our like movies with Fast and Furious, or we have our... Uh, Twilight or whatever universes we have. We have the DC Universe or the DCE Universe, the Marvel Comics Universe, the Star Wars Universe, whatever it might be. We're just going to have our Punch and Preacher podcast universe and we'll claim it. Uh, thank you guys for coming in here. Man, last week was crazy. Episode one, uh, so happy, so thankful for everybody's support. Uh, evidently, we're big in Belgium. Didn't know. Didn't know there were people who were there uh, following the podcast, but it's true. So if that's uh, you or whoever else is there, thank you uh, for that. I really appreciate that. But uh, today we're going to talk about discovering your purpose and living intentionally. What does that mean? Um, it means a lot. You know, one of the things that I want to predicate on the podcast is I want to have a lot of conversations. We have some special guests coming on next week. I'm super excited for next week's episode. Uh, we'll say three or three and a half, however we creatively decide to do that. But uh, for today, this is another conversation with you and I. And, and I want these first couple of uh, episodes to really be conversational with, with you and I. I want us to just kind of build a relationship. The, the Punch and Preacher podcast really is a community. Uh, if you have not done so yet, hop on to the punchandpreacherpodcast.com. There will be a link to an email chain there, uh, and that's our community thread. So there's going to be opportunities later here for some classes, for some one-on-ones, and some other coaching work, uh, and some stuff through the podcast. But for now, let's let's get to know each other a little bit. And uh, one of the things that I don't predicate a lot, I know I mouth off about this a lot to people that I know, but one of the things that I, I talk about out camera, I don't want to make a big deal about it here um, unless I have to. But um, education is a big thing for me, and I have gone through uh, the, the ranks of doctorate and all the, the fun stuff there, and I do have that degree. Uh, it's fun. It's great. I enjoy that. Um, but I actually, I tell people my doctor of ministry, uh, which is like a doctor of education equivalent, um, they are the same professional degree. It's just termed for your industry. But um, that was actually my easier degree. The, the hardest degree that I ever pursued was what's called a Master of Divinity. And uh, for those of us going into ministry, we, we um, don't necessarily have to take it, but it is highly encouraged, wink, wink, uh, to take the Master of Divinity degree. And a Master of Divinity is actually a PhD equivalent. Uh, it has, um, time-wise, not, not necessarily difficulty-wise, a PhD is more of a research-based degree, but, but a Master of Divinity is a very heavy master's degree. It's 90 hours, 90 graduate master levels hours, and it is, it is rigorous. Um, I worked on my MDiv probably, I think, between the years of 2004 to 2009. I graduated in 2010 because I had like one class I had to get. Uh, when my daughter was born, I took like, I waited for some classes and I had one class left over to take. But uh, that was really, a, uh, I would say, very formative years of my life, uh, professionally speaking. There was a lot that I had going on personally. There was a lot that I had going on professionally. And those worlds collided within the time of that Master of Divinity degree. And one of the things that we had to do, 
Um, it is a 90 hour program and part of what we have to do is take classes in you know, history and there's language and there's obviously the practical application side. So like all of my degrees, whether they're master's degrees, doctorate degrees, undergrad stuff, like everything that I've done academically and professionally has been like a leadership based degree. But even within these degrees, you still have to take uh, Oh, there's electives and all the stuff there. So being in ministry and doing the church stuff, um, there are what's called the theology degrees, but they did them as electives. And when I was taking my classes, one of the things that we had to do is we had to identify like what electives we would take. Well, I had everything done and there was just one class I wanted to take, but it was only a two credit hour class, which meant that I had to figure out either taking extra education, which would have been like 91 or 92 hours or fill in the blank, right? So they offered this class. I had one credit hour that I had to find and fill for this stupid stinking degree to get it done. And so I found a class and it was a class on heaven. It was a theology class qualified as a theology elective and it was on heaven. And so I get in there and the professor starts off. Now I, I love this professor. He is, he is probably one of my favorites of all time. Uh, the man can, can really give a, a lecture. You could be five hours deep into an academic lecture with him and, and not even remotely recognize that you're listening to school. He, he was just top notch. But he gets in the class and he said, guys, I'm not going to lie. I just got assigned this class last week. I don't even have a textbook for this thing. So we all giggle and like we're toward the end of our degree. And like it's kind of that point where we all have whatever the master's degree equivalent of senioritis is. Like we're done. We're checked out. So he says, here's what we're going to do. He says, this is only a one hour class. I want you to, um, we're going to have some lectures on, on it uh, and do some of that work. But then I just want you to find your own textbook. And I want you to write a book on that and then a paper. And we're going to call it a day because it's just one hour. We don't need a lot of work to be done. Well, um, given the year that it was, there was a book that had come out. And I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do for this, right? So there's a book that's there and it's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And so I get this book and I sit down. And of course, if you know me, I'm competitive as I'll get out, right? So I'm going to look at what everybody else around me is doing and I'm going to try to beat them. So I get on this thing and I pick this book by Randy Alcorn and everybody else is finding these little 50 page books or 100 page books and some theological essay or whatever. And I see this book is 400 pages and I'm like, I'm going to read the 400 page one because that's just what I do. Stupid, stupid stuff, right? I'm still that person, but I try to not be that time to time. So I get this book and I start reading it. And then we go to the lecture. And then I start writing this paper and everything is on heaven. Heaven, 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 heaven. And as we're going through this and starting to read it, I recognize at the time, my like, I was probably 26, 27 years old, um, my brain was shifted in that class. In that little itty bitty minute minuscule class, uh, if it's Hebrew, it's the Yod, uh, it's this, this little itty bitty piece of this huge degree, this, this little cog that's not even a lug nut on the machine of what I was doing, uh, literally changed the course of my life forever. And here's why. Um, independent of wherever my theology was, independent and regardless of what your religious and spiritual beliefs might be, here is what I walked away from with that class is we are made to be spiritual people. You and I are created to be spiritual people. I believe that that is something that I have as a very hard uh, lifeblood is that at our base, 
We are spiritual. There is more to this life than what we can see. Supernatural is really, it's something that's just natural beyond what we can see. And I have a whole lecture series with that I could do and get into. But there is more to life than what you and I see with our own eyes. And what that means is that as there's more to life than what we see, we were created to live forever. Which means that I believe very much, and, and I hope that, that you do, and if, if you don't, stick around the podcast, we can talk about this. But one of the things is we were made to live forever. And what does it mean that we are created to live forever is that my priorities change. If I know that I am designed by someone greater with greater intelligence than me, who lives forever, who is omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipowerful, who is greater than me, that there is a higher purpose and function to my life. And if I recognize that, if I understand that, then then I have to gravitate to the fact that there might be more priority-wise that I'm taking into consideration. The things that bother me today will not bother me 10,000 years from now. What will be here 10,000 years from now? There are two things that last forever, and that is your relationship with God and with people. So if I'm in this life and I have a financial issue, that's not going to be there 10,000 years from now. So as much as that stresses me out right now, I'm going to set that aside. I'm not going to worry about that. It's stressful. I have to deal with it, but I'm not going to let that wreck me. That is not something that will matter 10,000 years from now. The people and how I have handled them, if we're all created to live forever, they're going to be around 10,000 years from now, right? I've, I've got to work on what's going to be my eternal relationships and all the things that come up there. That matters. People matter. Where you stand in the presence of Almighty God, these things matter, right? Uh, a messy house, uh, a car payment, uh, a business situation, a neighbor situation, whatever. These are things that we can fix and we can work on. This stuff might not last forever. So I'm taking this class and I start to realize that the things that were bothering me at that moment, they're not things that are going to last forever. They're not things that are going to be around forever, right? So I walk out of here. Uh, and by the way, that was my first B minus, or I'm sorry, B plus and not an A that I had in my master's degree. I'm still salty about that because I turned it in like a day late and didn't realize it was there. That's a whole other thing. But for now, that one one hour class, that wrecked me. And I remember taking that class. I was in Cincinnati at the time. And I'm driving back home. And as I'm driving back up home, the Amish country of all places, uh, it was like a three and a half hour ride. And Usually when I'm driving and I'm on a car, I, I have on like music and, and uh, I'm, I've got something that kind of captures the vibe, right, of the day. I was a wreck. I, I was in silence forever because I realized that my priorities were different. So what is it to be successful in life and to live with purpose? Well, realize, first of all, that there is a spiritual side to life. And, and wherever you stand on this, you're going to hear my dog barking. She, she's agreeing with me. Wherever you stand on this issue... Uh, with spirituality. Just just walk with me on one point. We can give them the deeper waters later, but walk with me here on this one point that we were created for something more. We live for something more. So if you want to be successful, recognize that there is a spiritual side of life that we live for something greater than ourselves. And what matters 10,000 years from now are the things that are genuinely worth investing into. Period, right? So if I want to be spiritual, I'm sorry, if I want to be successful, I have to be spiritual. I have to start there and realize that there is more to this life than me. There is more to this life than my story. I am a part of a grander meta narrative that is coming together, and I just have to surrender to the fact that there is something greater to life than that. So there is the point of 
spirituality in a nutshell. We'll get deeper on that later in another episode. We can have deeper conversations. But for now, I just want to put it there. There's more to life than what we live. There's more to life than what we know. Live in that. Realize that we're created to live forever. Number two, what is it to be sophisticated? This is one that could be missed a lot because in the marketing pieces, uh, as I'm putting all this stuff together, um, man, there's a lot of taglines that I was trying to figure out, which weren't very sophisticated. Uh, but I was thinking, okay, life, leadership, and living the faith. Family, uh, faith, family, and, and whatever else, I, I, finding your purpose, I think is what the original uh, quasi episode we did a couple summers ago was. But um, what gets lost in this is we talk about spirituality, we talk about being savage, which I cannot wait to unpack that here in a minute. What is it to be sophisticated? And I feel like there is something that's lost in there. Um, I remember one time my wrestling coach sat us all down. I was a freshman in high school at this time. And uh, he gets our team and he sits us down. And it wasn't one of those like, hey, we're going to drill right now things. Like, he literally just sits us down and he's, he's trying to tell us a few things. And he, he, was, uh, he was a very well-decorated wrestling coach. But uh, he was short with his words and with his speeches. And he sat us down and we knew there was something there that was bugging him, that was eating at him. And finally he says, hey, he says, uh, I had a few disciplinary situations I had to take care of with the team. I had a few teachers complaining about the, uh, the behavior of a few wrestlers and they're no longer with us. And, and he walked through that. And then he said, uh, he said, guys, I need you to understand something. He said, wrestling is an ugly sport. He said, this is a savage sport. This is something that is just built for savages. He said, I'm literally training you to take out another person and, and to be ready for that. He said, these are things that you're going to take with you to life, right? Somebody's car alarm is going off outside here, so I hope there's nothing savage or nefarious happening, but you might pick that up on the audio. But um, he says, this is something savage. And he says, you will naturally, just by being associated with this sport, you will, you will have with you a stigma. You're going to have something, the alarms went off, you're going to have something that is attached to you that's going to make you look dirty. Uh, and that's because you're a wrestler. People are going to think that wrestlers by nature are dirty, that they're more savage than others. So he said, here's the deal. I want you to work harder than the average student in class. I want your grades to be better. If this is the minimum GPA, I want you to double it. If this is what you know your homework is, I want you to exceed on that. Be sophisticated. And so he goes on to this talk and he gives us this conversation. He says, listen, if you want to be genuinely successful, be the smartest person in the room. And what does that mean? So we're all sitting here listening to our coach. We're not running. We're not conditioning. We're not drilling. We're just listening. So we're eating up like practice time, right? So we're all silent, just like gobbling this up. And as an underclassman, I'm watching the upperclassmen, and they're just enthralled with this too because we're not doing the work. We're, we're, we're in philosophy, you know, philosophy time here, right? So we're listening. He says, listen. He says, be the smartest person in the room. He says, if you walk into a room, sit in the corner and watch it. Uh, he said, if you're if you're reading a book, read it harder. Like he goes through all the things, right? So here's what I want to ask you. We can talk about spirituality and we can get lost in conversations on spirituality all the time. We can talk about what it is to be savage. And we're going to do that here in a minute. And I can't wait for that. But as we talk about that part, what does it mean to be sophisticated, right? Well, I want to ask you a question. Like, what are you doing to push yourself mentally? What are you doing to challenge yourself? So here's some questions. What's the last book you read? What's the last book you've read? What's the last leadership book you've read? What are some great ones that are there? Um, I could tell you some books that really stand out to me that mean a lot. 
Uh, to me, from a leadership perspective, my favorite book, I think, of all time is called The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. Uh, himself and his father uh, worked on this book, but it is a fantastic book about working through teamwork and leadership and all the things, right? Uh, I can rattle off a lot. I've already talked about Heaven with Randy Alcorn. If you ever get time to read that, it is long. Uh, it is that 400-page book, and there's like workbooks and everything else with it, but... Um, it's worth it. And it's also an easy read for a 400 page book. It, it does. It is a page turner. Um, there are a lot of very good books. What are we, what are we investing into? Like, how are we sharpening ourselves mentally? Where do we have a mindset? Like if I go into the room, I, I don't want to be a follower. I want to be someone who can make an impact. And what will that require? How well read am I on this subject? Where am I at politically? Where am I at spiritually? Like there might be some people who, when it comes to spirituality, will say, Oh, well, I don't believe in that. Or I don't, whatever what's the research, right? Like where, where is the conversation and, and what is the conversation we can have on that on both ways or the other? I, I equally get frustrated with people who um, are so quick to, to affirm things as well. I, I want the research on good conversation. Where's the sophistication beside anything that we have, but how can I be a person who is spiritual, but I'm not just going to stop it there. I'm going to gravitate to that. I'm going to be very sophisticated. What does it mean to be sophisticated? Am I well-read? Am I well-mannered? Am, am I a person who is, yeah, I could walk in here and I could tear someone's head off, but I'm not going to. Um, we learned a thing also in wrestling called speak softly and carry a big stick. This is like a Littleton family motto as well. My dad and I will share this uh, with each other sometimes. And, and I know if, if anybody <laughs> speaks softly and carry a big stick, it is my father. Um, where people know you're, you're smart, you're, you're nice, you're wonderful, you're gentle. You can bring the big stick out when, when it comes time, right? But what is it to be sophisticated? And we're going to work on that in the podcast. But I want to challenge you, right, to consider all things spiritual. We live for something greater than ourselves. We live, literally, we are created to live forever. What matters 10,000 years from now? And how can I live walking in that? Because it does change my priorities. The alarm is going off again. But don't worry, it won't do that in 10,000 years, right? <laughs> Working through this though, how can I be a person of spirituality, a person of sophistication? I am sharpening myself. I am sharpening my mind. I am challenging myself. I am growing. I am pushing. I am going. How can I genuinely be that person to make a difference and an impact sophistication-wise? I'm going to be well-researched. I'm going to be well-prepared. I'm going to go the extra mile on all things. If there's a way to sharpen myself and to challenge myself, I will be doing that thing. Um, coming up here. So what does that look like? And then ultimately beyond that, let's get to the fun part, man. What is it to be savage? What is it to be just absolutely savage? So in the uh, in the promo trailers, I got a little bit of grief because I was like, you know, spiritual, sophisticated, and savage as, and then I have my daughter come in. Um, there's a reason I'm doing that. There is a reason I'm trying to, to, to talk through there because there needs to be a savagery about the way we handle success. There needs to be a tenacity, a priority. There needs to be a way that we're saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to settle for where I'm at. I'm not gonna be okay always being in this place. I have to have that savage mindset that says, what do I do to win? I was listening to a podcast today, and there's an old Joe Rogan podcast. And the podcast was with Joe Rogan and BJ Penn. BJ Penn was a fantastic UFC fighter. That man was just such a good athlete. He, he could just learn stuff. But he's he's known as one of, one of the greats of all time, UFC-wise and, and fight-wise. But uh, he gets on there and he's talking with Joe Rogan. I mean, you got this national podcast. You're on this national platform. And you can you can pull a Muhammad Ali and say, I am the greatest, or Mike Tyson. I want to eat his children or whatever, right? Those those voices might not be like copyrighted, but uh, 
BJ Penn was this ferocious fighter, but he's sitting here on the podcast, and here's what he says. He says, I, I won not because I was a better athlete. I was a champion, not because I was this great athlete, not because I was disciplined. I won because I wanted it more. <laughs> he said, at the end of the day, I come into this fight, I just wanted to win it. I just wanted to win it more. That's all. He said, it was just my will to win. He said, at that point, uh, the discipline took me so far, but my will to win took me further. He said, I wanted to do whatever it took for the ref to stop this fight so that we can get ready to rock and to do this thing well. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, that's really good sense. So what is it to be savage uh, and successfully savage? Not brutal, uh, but, but savage. What is it to have that mindset? Listen, if you're spiritual, you realize that everything, we are created to live forever. So what matters 10,000 years from now is there. To be sophisticated means how can I be the smartest person in the room? Am I reading more? Am I better prepared? Am I well thought through? Am I observant as all get out on every facet of what I'm doing? So I know it's forever. I'm observant. I'm, I'm all over the place. But the savage, man, what's your motivation? What's your motivation in, in all things life? Motivation in your relationships with your kids, with your significant other, your, your, your motivation with work. Are you just working a job to get paid or are you working a job to leave a legacy, man? Like what, what is it that we're doing with this? What is the savage tenacity by which we go after? So obviously, um, Bible and scripture and all that stuff is, is something that means a lot to me. And, and looking back, um, in my dissertation, um, we had to take and break apart. My dissertation was in uh, international adoption. So I was talking about leadership, but in a venue of leading through the international adoption process as a family, what does it take? It's a book. It'll put you to sleep really quick. So like, I'm not even going to recommend it, but uh, it's, it's out there. But, um, we had to break down historical, biblical, theological, and contemporary adoption. And so I go back and I'm talking about Moses. Moses is the first ever internationally adopted person. So reading through Moses, there's the character of Scripture, and, and he's found primarily like Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's like the first five books of the Bible. But then beyond that, you have... Um, Moses is also, we believe, this gentleman, Moshe, is in uh, some extra biblical context that is Egyptian history as well. And so I'm combing through this stuff, and I'm like knee deep into about a thousand encyclopedias. And one of the things that I discover is they believe, um, through extra biblical texts in history, that Moses, his name would have been pronounced Moshe, that one of the one of the Pharaoh areas that he could have been a part of was the Pharaoh dynasty of Thutmosis II and Thutmosis III. Hot Shepsut is part of this. Now here's where I'm going with it. Moses would have been like second fiddle because he wasn't born into Pharaoh's family. He was adopted into Pharaoh's family. So he would have grown up, we believe, as a general of war in Egypt. So here's this guy who, Moses being someone clearly who's spiritual because he's seen things like a burning bush and like the Red Sea party and all that stuff. He, he's got a spiritual side to him. He, he knows his Jewish heritage well. He also knows Egyptian uh, pantheon everything well. But he has a sophisticated side. He is a planner. He is a war general. So there are a few monuments in Egypt we believe today are actually attributed to Moses and, and the, the just non-war leadership he did as a war general. There are also wars that we believe he conquered. And we know that he is a person of profound strategy as he leads Israel, which was probably about 2 million people at the time, 
through the wilderness. Um, wasn't a successful campaign, but he at least did that as a war general. He also taught Joshua how to fight, how to how to build a war plan, how to train an army, how to prepare them. So for Moses, there is the spiritual side. There is a profoundly sophisticated side. But I think one thing we forget, because we, we know Moses to be elderly when we work with him in scripture, brother was savage. He killed a couple people early in his life, which put him off on a, on a whole campaign. But there's a side to him, right? And, and he does become this profoundly successful person. Historically, uh, biblically, he becomes this person who is just really savage in his approach to it. So here's what I want you to consider. How do you discover purpose? Well, take everything that matters in your life right now, right, wrong, whatever priority. I want you to create a list of five top priorities. You can even break up the 10 top priorities, right? 10 priorities. I want you to ask yourself a question. Will this thing be here? Uh, I dropped my pen. Will this thing be here 10,000 years from now? Will your car be here 10,000 years from now? It will not. Will your truck or whatever else you have? It will not. Will your house be here? No, it will not. Will your cat be here? Listen, we can have that talk another day, right? But probably not. <coughs> what matters? Be spiritual about this. What is sophisticated? What can we do to sharpen ourselves with sophistication, right? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What, what do you want to do? So this is a very big question. How are you going to get there? What is your plan? If you, if you want to do this, have a plan. Live intentionally. To discover your purpose, identify all the junk, Get it out of the way. What matters 10,000 years from now, chase it. Pursue it. To be sophisticated is to have a plan. Read for your plan. Sharpen yourself for the plan. Put people in your life who will challenge you and push you toward that plan, who will not let you make a mistake. Avoid yes people like they are the absolute plague. Unless you know they are affirming you because you are correct, avoid it like the plague. Go after people who are going to say, hey, that sucks. <laughs> Fix it. Uh, find your coaches, find your friends, find your accountability partners, find your people who will challenge you, right? But to be sophisticated is to have a plan, have your people, have your tribe, have everybody around you pushing you, develop you, sharpening you. So you are spiritual, you are sophisticated, you, you are living intentionally and be savage, man, be motivated by it. Chase it, chase your dreams, chase that passion. Because while we are made to live forever and eternity is a thing and we're, we're chasing that, there's only one life right now on this side of death. So while we're still here, let's chase this thing with tenacity. Let's go after it. Let's find those goals. But there has to be a savagery. And to be savage is to be urgent. One of the things BJ Penn was talking about with his podcast was, listen, if I'm in a firefight, if I'm sitting here in an octagon and I'm, I'm coming after someone, he is punching me. He's coming after me. I got to take him out quick. We've got to pursue these goals quick. So how can we go after that with absolute savagery? Go after your goals with absolute brutality. Chase your dreams now. Go after it now. Find what works for you now. Go get it now. So like, why are you listening to me? Shut this thing off and go find your goals, man. Spiritual, sophisticated, savage. Live with urgency. Go get him, tiger. <laughs> See you next week on Punch and Preacher Podcast, episode 3.5. Have a good day, guys. Welcome to the Punch and Preacher Podcast, where we are spiritual, sophisticated, and savage as... Dad, this is a family-friendly podcast. Join us for new episodes every Tuesday morning as we talk about life, leadership, and living the faith. If you have questions, welcome to the Punch and Preacher Podcast community. Just hit subscribe to that button, and if you don't like the podcast, it's totally fine. Subscribe, find the link to the email, I'll get you a link to the gym. Have a great day.